All right. Where did I put my clicker? There it is, hidden behind my Bible. All right. Take your Bibles, speaking of which, and turn with me to Romans chapter 8 again today as I uh, continue with this uh, passage that uh, now is in its third uh, message. And I don't think I'm going to get through it this morning. But anyway, that's the way it always goes. Um, You know, just to kind of uh, follow up with Pastor Mark's Sunday School opening exercises, how uh, pointing out from Proverbs 21-31 that uh, there's dangers all around us, but our protection is of the Lord. And uh, he very clearly brought out how sometimes we just take for advantage the safety that God gives as we come and go. There are so many dangers and uh, that, that we could face. Um, no one would have had imagined, um, but I was talking to uh, Bobby and June as they were standing, uh, checking out of Super One on Thursday evening, um, and all of a sudden there was a roar and the the uh, noise of, of a car endeavoring to enter and finally breaking through and, and driving uh, into Super One. You all have heard that news story, I think, probably by this time. Well, Bobby and June were standing there at a cash register checking out when that all happened. And um, the cash, cashier... Uh, quickly closed the drawer and says, run, and as he took off. And, of course, Bobby says, we don't run. We can't run. (laughs) (laughs) And so they stepped aside over by the area where uh, the uh, videos, where you rent videos, that area kind of right up toward the front there, and... um, watched it all happen as uh, the car entered and drove down one aisle and uh, people scattering and, and running and, and uh, then went to the back of the store, turned and drove back down another aisle and then exited the building. And um, they uh, said they couldn't imagine, um, you know, such a thing happening. Who could imagine such a thing happening? And yet uh, God protected them. They couldn't run. Uh, I, I, I thought, what would it have been like to have been in that store? Um, well, he, he told me what it was like to be in the store that night, and um, I just uh, still can't imagine, even as, as it was described by someone there firsthand. I guess Paige was working that night, and so Paige probably has her own description of it, but she's over in produce, which is kind of far removed from all the action, where all the action took place, but... Um, uh, thank the Lord that no one was hurt and, and um, that, uh, you know, God does protect his own. Um, and so that kind of just is a capstone to the, the opening exercise thrust that we don't know just how, how the Lord will protect us, but he does. And, and there are dangers all around, but our protection is of the Lord. And that's kind of why we just press on here with COVID and everything else going on. We take our precautions. Uh, we need to realize that it's a real thing, and praise the Lord, they are learning more and more about it, and, and um, it's, it is, uh, they are getting better at taking care of those who are sick. If, you know, one of our own is an example of that, 
uh, Darren, who with compromised lungs and, and asthma and all, um, they turned him around uh, and he was out in a few days of the hospital. And so they're, they're getting better at, at treating it and knowing how to do it. And it was exciting to hear the president uh, this past week give a, give a news conference on the advances of the um, shots. What am I trying to say? Vaccine. That's what I'm trying to say, the vaccine that uh, is uh, coming at such a rapid pace compared to what it, what it normally does. But that's what prompted me uh, to begin a series that I've entitled Fear Not. Um, this is the eighth message of, as we look at various passages of scripture that, that help us to uh, not fear in the Lord, you know. Uh, there's dangers all about us, but we need to fear not. And, and that's been a challenge to God's people uh, Old and New Testament, and uh, we don't have to fear. And I think Second Timothy one seven puts it pretty clear with regards to us in this church age, which says God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And there's just all sorts of passages of Scripture which give assurance and security for these uncertain times that we live. And certainly we are in uncertain times. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But I, in keeping with that, I've been dealing with probably one of the most familiar New Testament passages in all of God's Word, and that's Romans chapter 8, um, verse 18 through 39, uh, with a, a series of, short series within this series of, of messages, the third one on Romans 8, uh, 18 through 39, that I've entitled, If God Be For Us, and you can fill in the blank. Uh, you know what the rest of it goes on to say. Uh, we have considered the, already the extent of God's purpose. Uh, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are, call, who are the called according to his purpose. And of course, what we normally think of verse 28 there is the first part of it. Uh, that's, that's huge, that all things work together for good to them that love God. But what I... And focusing more upon here in, in this series of messages is uh, the last part of that, according to his purposes. And then it gives his purposes. Uh, if you uh, follow along as I continue to read, we see those purposes. Verse 29, whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called them, he also justified. And whom he justified them, he also glorified. That's the purpose of God when it, as it comes to the child of God. And it goes from eternity past, the foreknowledge of God, to eternity future, glorification, which is us standing in the presence of God and having that glorified body, which for the church age occurs at the rapture, and yet as good as, as done for who he foreknew, right on down through all of those theological terms, he, he glorified. It's, we are, have a sovereign God that has declared his purpose, and that's it to, for you and for me, if you know Christ as Savior. And, of course, this is all kind of qualified here. All things work together for good to those who love God. And Christ said, if you love me, 
If you do love the Lord, if you are his, you're going to be a changed individual. That doesn't mean we'll be a perfect individual. But we'll be a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And my friends, we will endeavor to please our Lord, the one who gave his life for me, that I might give myself back to him. It's just reasonable that I would do that. But anyway, that's the purpose. Uh, by way of review, uh, next we considered the extent of God's provision, which as we press on in this, let me read verse 31 and 32. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Uh, and of course, I pointed out how that there are plenty of forces against us. In fact, the main force uh, that is not to be reckoned with, Satan, um, and yet we can put on the whole armor of God and we can stand against <laughs> Satan. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But if God be for us, who can be against us? Um, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You think God's going to all of a sudden get stingy with those that he loved and gave his son to die for? I don't think so. Um, he will give us freely all things. And of course, we looked as we were dealing with that last week, we looked at, at all those promises of God that, that are the bedrock underneath us of, that point out God's provision for us. Everything we need in this life. Maybe not everything we want, but everything we need. Uh, he has provided. He stopped not short of giving his son. And you can count on him to freely give you all things. We looked at that last week. Then also last week we looked at the extent of God's pardon as we look at verse 33 and 34. Let me read those. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? And of course I pointed out that Satan up there is the accuser of the brethren. We looked at those passages in Job and then back in the book of Revelation where Satan has access to heaven and he's there accusing the brethren, pointing his bony finger down at us, saying that, that uh, look at that child of yours, Lord. And yet, it is God that justifieth. That's one of those uh, five theological terms from eternity past to eternity future with the child of God, if you have received Jesus as your Savior, you've been justified. That means you've been declared righteous. And it doesn't have a whole lot to do with you other than the fact that you received what God offers, that gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of your sins. You've recognized you're a sinner and you've asked Christ to save you. And God justifies us, declares us righteous. And it has to do with he's well satisfied with Jesus and what Jesus did there upon the cross of Calvary. And he can declare us righteous and God through Christ gives us Christ's righteousness and he takes our sin and as Jesus died for it and paid the penalty in full there upon the cross of Calvary for those who receive him as their savior. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? Well, Satan does his best. But it is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And, of course, we realize that, that uh, even though Satan's there at the throne of God accusing the brethren, Jesus steps up. 
He is our advocate. He is our defense lawyer. And all he has to do is to just point out to the Lord God at the throne that they're covered with my blood. And he is a propitiation. As it says over there, we look 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, coming out of those precious verses and promise of 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. That's how we maintain uh, fellowship, being in fellowship with him. We are sensitive to sin, and when we do fail and when we do sin, we confess it quickly, and he is faithful. If we do our part, he is faithful. He'll do what he's promised. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And it said there that uh, I don't tell you this so that you just go out and sin. No. He says, but I tell you this so that you know you, we have an advocate. We have one that's there pleading our case, making intercession for us, who is the propitiation of our sins, the satisfaction of a thrice holy God for my sins and yours, if you know Christ as Savior. That's what uh, Jesus is to his holy father. And um, it is Christ that died and, and that rose again and that is even at the right hand of God who maketh intercession for us. And, of course, my closing remarks last week was the fact that, uh, you know, we ask prayer of God's people. Uh, we, if you have a prayer need, uh, we will pray for you if you let us know on Wednesday night. And, of course, it goes beyond just Wednesday night prayer meeting. You let us know and we announce it. And, and those who even can't make it to Wednesday night we intercede on behalf of one another and one another's needs. But Jesus is there uh, interceding on our behalf. Makes me think of that, of that uh, verse over in Hebrews chapter 7, I believe it is. got to go over there and read it. Hebrews 7, 25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. Oh, the extent of God's purpose, the extent of God's provision, the extent of God's pardon. Saved to the uttermost. I like it. Saved to the uttermost by those who come to God through him. Whoever liveth to make intercession ties it in beautifully here. But let me get back to where we haven't been yet and, and where we need to move on this morning in our text. And that is, as we continue, we see the extent of God's protection. It starts... Uh, with a question uh, there in verse uh, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And of course, uh, the last, the last uh, thing that we're going to deal with is uh, the extent of God's presence. And this kind of indicates or lets us see that we're talking about God's presence even here in this particular passage. Uh, but what we see following, he says, what can separate us from the love of Christ. What he continues to uh, spell out and ask, can these things separate us? What we see here is extreme adversity. So that's why I, first of all, as we're talking about his presence and, and how nothing can separate us from his presence, but uh, we're talking about protection here. As well, and that's why I've I've made a separate point of this um, in verses 35 through 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, 
we see here that he, he lists seven things and, and asks, will these things separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, tribulation, it's used often in scriptures, and it's uh, a word that denotes the troubles that afflict saints. And actually, if you stop and think about it, the troubles that afflict saints are a little bit different sometimes and we live for the Lord, but there's another word used here that it replies, uh, is, is indicating those specifically. This is just talking about the troubles that come and go with this life, the trials and tribulations that, that everybody uh, is going to have. Um, the troubles of this life, um, chapter 16 of John, keep your finger or your bulletin there in the book of Romans and go back with me to John chapter 16. I'm sure you'll recognize this. I've, I've uh, referred to this verse in this small series. Uh, the last verse of John 16, Christ's last evening with his disciples, the upper room discourse, part of it. Um, John gets into great detail in the things that took place in that upper room. Um, and in verse 33, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. That's what we're talking about here. Trials that come, the troubles that are God's people and actually everybody's because of this old world that we live in. Uh, there's troubles in this world. And, of course, it's a result of uh, the fall of man and, and the curse of sin upon nature and upon mankind is what it is. But he says, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He starts out saying how they're going to have peace, and yet they're going to have tribulation. And, of course, the key for God's people is this very thing we're dealing with here. Fear not. Uh, we're going to have trials, but they don't have to overcome us. We don't have to be afraid and, and tremble at those things. Uh, James chapter 1 would be another uh, passage that would uh, go along with what we're talking about here. James I like because he just deals quite squarely and straightforward with things. And he uh, says it like it is. I like that. I don't like having to try to figure out what a person means. Um, in James 1, and of course all of God's word, um, it's easy to figure out what God means because God says what he means and he means what he says. And it's simple. And it is uh, there for us to to dig into and to understand, but James is kind of blunt in it. It's, I guess, maybe what I'm trying to say. He's, he pulls no punches. Uh, verse 2 of James 1, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations or uh, the tribulations, the trials. Now, that word translated temptations there can mean uh, the solicitations of, of Satan to cause us to do wrong or can just mean the trials that God allows into our life. And at this point, it, that's what it means. It's, it says later, uh, verse 13 there, let no man say when he is tempted, or the same word used, and yet it's, used, it's translated tempted here, because it's clear what he's talking about there, that I'm tempted of God, for God cannot tempt with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So this same word is used interchangeably, and it's not God that solicits us to do wrong. That's Satan's work. And you can be sure that he's there at every moment, and he's working overtime in the day that we live, uh, trying to get people to veer off course. And, and um, 
But he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. These are the, just what we're talking about here, the, the troubles of this life. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience, verse 4, have her perfect work, that you may be entire, wanting nothing. In other words, these trials that God allows into our lives uh, are for a good purpose and a reason. He knows exactly how much we can stand. It says over in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you or trial such that is common to man. In other words, we're not peculiar, you know, that we're the only one suffering this thing. No, but God is faithful who with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God's faithful. He keeps his promises. He knows how much we can take. And, and, uh, and so we see here that in verse uh, 5 of James 1, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask about God to give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And that's not a change of subject there. Some pull that verse out and just use it on a standalone basis. And it could be because over in the book of Proverbs it talks about God's wisdom crying out to everybody and, and is available to any that will listen and yet they don't like what God's wisdom has to say because it speaks of things that are right. And wickedness is an abomination to God and his wisdom and people don't want to hear that. But this is talking, the context here is trials. If you need help understanding and, and having wisdom with regards to the trials that God has allowed into your life, just ask the Lord. He'll give you that. And we'll f soon come to the understanding and realization that, that uh, they, they work for our good. And that God is up to good things. And we can count it joy. And we can be of good cheer. Because we know we're on the winning side. That he has overcome the world. Well, that's what he means by tribulation there. Uh, oh, how Satan tries and tries and tries to separate us uh, through these trials. And sometimes we do kind of get to feeling sorry for ourselves as we go through trials. And I'm here to tell you, that's dangerous ground. When you start doubting and questioning and having a pity party, um, we see it in scriptures and Praise the Lord. We see it in scriptures. We know that even the best of men are just men at best. And, and all too often we can start questioning God. And what are you up to, Lord? Why me, Lord? But all oh, that we would get our, bring our thoughts back to in conjunction with the truths of God's word. Like it says over there in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, that, that we need to bring our thoughts into subjection that is worthy of Christ. Don't let your mind wander off. Don't let Satan hurl those fiery darts in your mind and you lose the battle even right up here and you haven't done a thing and thinking things that are not worthy of our Lord. Satan tries to separate us, but no. Um, shall tribulation? But that's just the first of, of seven things. Or distress? Back to our text. I probably left you in a lurch over there in James. James and in Romans Chapter 8 and verse 35, distress. The Greek word used here means to be in a narrow or cramped place. Kind of like you're in a straits. Um, like I, I would maybe use the example of, of Elisha and his servant. 
the stepped out of Dothan. And lo and behold, the enemy was, had surrounded Dothan. And they were going to take this Elijah. And they were going to take care of this matter that Elijah kept telling uh, the enemies of, of uh, Israel, um, kept revealing the plans of the enemies of Israel to Israel so that they kept uh, dodging the bullet, I guess you could say, and said, well, we're going to go take care of this guy. And they, they stepped out in the morning from behind the walls of Dothan, and uh, they were surrounded. They were in a strait. And the, the servant says, how shall we do? How shall we do? What can I do? And that's the kind of thing we're talking about here where you're in a strait. And for the lost, that's an unbearable thing because there is no way out. But for the child of God, it offers an opportunity for God to work in our life. And of course, the story over there in 2 Kings, uh, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. And, and he opened his eyes, his spiritual eyes, and he saw chariots of fire that encircled the enemies of God. And, and uh, the servant of Elisha uh, came to the realization that it's not God's people that are surrounded. It's God's enemies that are surrounded. And all that we would keep that in our minds. And when you get into a straight place, a place that's kind of uncomfortable and a place that, that you may not think you really like, uh, that's the place where the Lord can really begin to work. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul pleading with the Lord three times that the thorn in the flesh might be removed and, and the Lord says, no. My grace is sufficient for thee, verse 9. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul came to the right conclusion. Hopefully we do when we get into a strait. When we get into a, a distress, a narrow cramped place. Where we kind of figure out there's no way out of this thing. Uh, Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I... Rather, glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. All the distresses, these narrow places, allow um, God's people an opportunity. I believe that Paul and Silas could be said to be in a strait in Acts chapter 16 because of the testimony of the gospel and they'd been thrown into prison. They'd been whipped and thrown into prison and were locked in stocks. That's a straight. They were in a narrow place and yet what did they do? They sang praises unto the Lord and they saw God work mightily in and through that situation. So tribulation or distress, let's go on in the text here because I'm running out of time. Back to Romans chapter 35, or persecutions. Now, persecutions is different than tribulations, and it's different in this way. Uh, tribulations is just the trouble that comes with living this life. Persecution comes uh, 
for God's people for living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Being subject to harassing or cruel treatment for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and this persecution always refers to ill treatment because of your testimony for Christ. Like it says over in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Uh, as it's talking about the perilous times of these last days in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Which describes our day to a T. And he goes on in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 10, Thou hast fully known my doctrine. The first uh, nine verses are a description of the perilous times of these last days. But he says, You know uh, my doctrine, my manner of life, in verse 10 of 2 Timothy 3, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endure, but out of them all the Lord delivered me, yea, and all that will live godly, verse 12, in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. You live for the Lord, and I'm here to tell you we're in Satan's domain, and he's not going to like it. You try to mean business for the Lord, and you try to uh, break out of a sinful, stubborn habit by replacing it with his God-honoring counterpart, and you're going to be contested by Satan. He doesn't want you to have the victory, and he will bring his onslaughts against you. And yet, uh, that's what we're talking about here. Over in 1 Peter chapter 2, I like the way Peter puts it. Peter is, First uh, uh, Peter is written to the sufferer. And, and that should be me and you. And verse, First uh, Peter chapter 2, notice verse 20. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable to God. In other words, when we do wrong and, and suffer the consequences, no big deal, you know, we will. But when you suffer for doing right and take it patiently, that's acceptable to God. Verse 21, for even hereto were you called. We're called to do this because Christ also suffered for us. He paved the way, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. He paved the way. Jesus doesn't say, you go and do this and that and the other. No, he says, you follow me. Follow me. Who did no sin, verse 22, neither was God found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, verse 23, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But he committed himself to him that judges righteously. And he so set the example for us. That's what we do when we suffer for wrongdoing. When we go through these persecutions, we just commit ourselves over and again. You know, there's that initial uh, surrender to the Lord. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's a one-time decision where we crown Jesus Lord of our life. And, and, and everything that we do is in keeping with that thrust. Sometimes we veer off course, but we confess it. But then also it says over in, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 13, neither yield your instruments as... as uh, your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Same word used as present or yield. And that's that day by day 
yielding, that day by day, recognizing that Jesus is uh, my Lord and my Savior. And we just commit ourselves to him that judges righteously. God knows, God's sovereign, God's on the throne. He has not slipped off of the throne. So my friends, we see, uh, well, while I'm in First Peter, let me have you turn over to chapter 4 with me. I like this in chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, Beloved brethren, think it not a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Sometimes we're taken back by the trials that come our way. We've only, I only meant to do right. I only meant to please you, Lord. What is going on here? We don't think it a strange thing. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers, verse 13, of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached, verse 14, for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory of God resteth upon you. That's why Paul and Silas were singing uh, there when they were in some serious straits. Uh, shall persecution, back to our text, back and forth we go. Verse 35 of Romans chapter 8, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness? You say, doesn't the Lord provide for us? Why, why are we hungry? Why do we not have clothes to put on? Notice with me in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is on my list of passages that deal with this very topic that uh, we're talking about here. Um, God's provision for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink or your body. What you shall put on is not life more than meat and body than raiment. And he goes on here and he concludes in verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, God does indeed promise to take care of us. But notice what we see in chapter 11 of, of 2 Corinthians. Um, as we flip back and forth. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And verse 24 and following. Paul Verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? As he talks about the false teachers that had entered in among the Corinthians, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, verse 24 of 2 Corinthians 11, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with, with uh, rods. Once I was stoned, thrice suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings of often, in cold and nakedness. And of course, yet he goes on to say, uh, chapter 4, of 2 Corinthians, back up with me just a little bit where we kind of put this into uh, the proper perspective. Uh, 
chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians in verse 8, he says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And so, my friends, the thing of it is, as we are looking at our Romans 8 passage here, uh, even famine and nakedness, uh, what can separate us? Paul suffered these things, but what can separate us is the underlying thrust of this passage. Um, And then he goes on, the sixth one back into our text, shall peril or sword. Um, Nope. And as we've already just kind of gone through that, uh, realizing that there's none of these things. Um, In verse 36, he says, as it is written, this is Romans 8, 36, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And of course, that's just saying that uh, as it is written, as we see in God's word, uh, for thy sake, we suffer these things for the sake of God, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Suffering has always been the lot of the godly. These things are not peculiar to God's people. Uh, but then he answers the question. Verse 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Um, so my friends, we go from extreme adversity to uh, super victory. He says, nope, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Now that's one Greek word, or it's a compound Greek word, which is hooper uh, nikaio, which means that we are, it's accurately translated, we are more than conquerors. To gain surpassing, just victory and conquering, above and beyond that, we are super conquerors. We have super victory. Uh, This victory, of course, is tied inseparably to the love of Christ. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? He protects us in all of those things. This victory is uh, right here and right now, the victory that we can have. Psalm 46 and verse 1 says, uh, God is my refuge and strength. A very, do you know the verse? A very present help in a time of trouble. You got trouble? You know, this passage here is talking about the presence, and that's what it's going on to talk about, the presence of Christ. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Well, he protects us from these distresses of life, from these uh, tribulations, these uh, extreme adversities that are part and parcel of God's people. Hebrews chapter 4, what does it say? Let me go back and and, uh, review. It's a familiar passage, but in Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about our great high priest, how that he, um, let me get to the verse. It's a double negative. He says, seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not, Verse 15, Hebrews 4, 
a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. Double negative, making that a positive. He can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was tempted in all points like we are. He understands, he knows. Therefore, he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may find mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Oh, my friends, the assurance uh, and the security for these uncertain times. Uh, we are well protected. Uh, next week, we're going to go on and we're going to consider the extent of God's presence out of the last portion of this. And um, it's huge enough there that um, I've chosen to just devote an entire message to it because I'm out of time this morning. May we realize as we go about our daily lives that uh, the extent of God's purpose from eternity to eternity, we're locked in place. The extent of God's provision, it is complete. There is no limit. The extent of God's pardon, complete pardon. Uh, we stand uh, redeemed, justified, blood-bought. The extent of his protection, there is nothing, none of the extreme adversities that come into our lives that will separate us from the love of God. May you know that. May we respond accordingly to that. May we do what we've been challenged to do to come and receive the help that is available in times of trouble. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the truths that it contains. Thank you for this passage of scripture, the uh, so many mighty truths that we find here. Father, bless us to our hearts and lives. May it become a reality to us. May we be more than hearers of the word, but doers of it as well. And may we respond accordingly and we'll be sure to thank you for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.